one of the things that we were talking about before we digressed into jujitsu was we were talking about uh, perimenopause and menopause and how we don't talk about that enough. Yeah. And then you were telling us about your experience um, and um, how you would go to the doctors and uh, mm-hmm. tell them your symptoms yeah. and they're telling you that they're not even giving you any type of uh, treatment for what you're experiencing. Yeah, I mean, I'm still having to go and look for specialists, reach out to my friends that are in what I like to call uncharted territory. One of my girlfriends is, um, I think she's what, 51? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to ask Rachel. I know she's in her early 50s, but she she mm-hmm. is um, just at the other, she's just hit menopause. So I guess post. I'm still pre. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'll talk to her about my symptoms and then she found like a, a naturopath to go to. Um, and then I found a strength and conditioning coach out here that I did a couple sessions with who also went through menopause and bingo. One of the biggest things that women don't do strength train. Mm-hmm. I'm already losing bone density. Jiu-jitsu is great, but I'm not necessarily getting strength training out of that. I mean, I'm involuntarily strength training when I'm having to like get help from under big people, but it's not bench pressing. I mean, let's be real. I can frame and I've gotten really, really good at it. And I'm showing this all the time in class where I'm like, there's zero strength involved with this. I'm the laziest person on the mat. So I'm going to find a way to cheat. That is my entire Mm -hmm. game. Find a way to find rest cheat and then think about my next move think about my life while this person does something dumb and then I will capitalize on it I'm, I'm still kind of working on inserting my game but um yeah but yeah I had to go to another female and it's like reaching out to those females and finding out well who did you go to because like my general doctor doesn't know anything And when I go to them, they can't look at me outside of what they physically see. And I do have Asian blood, so I look a lot younger than my physical age. It's like I have to keep reminding them to look at the sheet of paper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) So You're not old, girl. (laughs) Not old. (sighs) I'm feeling, I know, like 50 will be the new 20s here pretty soon, but. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I mean, I have had to change up, Mm -hmm. I've I've had to change up my training too. Like I can't, my brain is still trying to wrap its head around the fact that I can't do like three training sessions in a single day. Why can't I train for three hours and have the energy? Why do I like run out of energy halfway through that? And then when I get hot in the middle of a training session, am I actually hot or am I having a hot flash? And then I'm sweating, but am I actually sweating or is this part of the hot flash? I don't even know anymore. They all run together for me because I will literally get hot and then be freezing to death all in the same training session at completely not appropriate times for what's going on. And I guarantee you that that Mm -hmm. that all has to do with me kind of my body's trying to regulate and going through um, trying to go into menopause because even my periods have like drastically changed. I mean, some of that might be the COVID vaccinations, but whatever. But I would say for the most part, a lot of the changes that I have going on are, you know, because my body's trying to not create eggs anymore. (laughs) But yeah, there's, there's not a lot out there for that. And it's really sad because I think, 
I think women overall, we should be much healthier than what our predecessors have looked like. And it's because we've done a disservice to them. My mom is really frail. She's got um, osteoporosis. I know I'm prone to it. But it's not something that I have to accept, you know, and it's just like, I don't know why strength training isn't more of a prescription for women. And then why women think that like, if they strength train, they're going to bulk up when I'm like, uh, that's going to take heaven and earth and you actually have to like work at it for that to happen. That's like a lot. Yes. Of you, you probably know all about that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, part of it is genetics because I put on muscle mass pretty easy like I'm a, a much bigger girl but mm -hmm. I'm never gonna like a, a guy my size I'm never gonna look like a guy I'm never gonna yeah. be that big like those yeah. women are actually taking anabolic steroids and I'm so glad that even the women that don't look like they're taking uh they're they're cycling on something are cycling and there was this really cool YouTube um guy I'm not sure if he was YouTube or Instagram social media mm -hmm. person who uh interviewed these bodybuilders female bodybuilders and asked them if they were natural and they're like no this isn't natural there's so many influencers yeah. that we're seeing online that are not natural so in order for a woman to get that big she has to be cycling anabolics in order for a yeah. woman to get that muscular and lean at the same mm -hmm. time they're on anabolic steroids of some kind yeah. they're cycling in some way it's very like i lift out i lift um i'm not lifting as much as i um have been anymore i still lift heavy i still try to do some yeah. sort of heavy lifting session um a couple of times a month mm -hmm. um but uh, I mostly focus on mobility and that has a lot more to do with jujitsu and trying to keep my joints limber, but right. I still do strength training because I know that I need it because I'm starting to get to that age. One yeah. of the things that you mentioned uh, that is one of the first signs of entering into perimenopause. So there's premenopause, mm -hmm. which is usually reserved for still being in your reproductive years and then the perimenopause is like you're in that menopausal transition yeah. and one of the first signs of entering in that menopausal transition <laughs> is well there's two big ones one is your your body composition changes greatly mm -hmm. and your periods change yeah your period is a big 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 sign like you're really in there yeah and um it actually starts um common language is that it starts five years prior to the onset of menopause where you have mm -hmm. the complete cessation of periods for a year 12 months yeah yeah or um uh but really it's not the five years it can start up um really starts as early as 10 years out mm -hmm. right so one of those changes for me i, I was looking at all my photos because i'm trying to gather um clips for like my years through jujitsu and yeah. i used to think i was big and now i look at my photos i was like oh i wasn't that big and like my body composition has greatly changed and people will say you know we can blame covid weight but i was working out this whole time from covid so it's not mm -hmm. covid it could yeah. potentially be a uh, slow down metabolism but i think it's for me probably a combination of that and the onset of perimenopause which sucks <laughs> like oh shit yeah now i need to start eating differently i need to start trading differently mm -hmm. 
And luckily I know so much more about it. I have a little bit more information than the general population and my mother yeah. prior. But right. just like you said, the main prescription that women need to be doing in order to prevent osteoporosis, to maintain lean muscle mass, to actually maintain a healthy body composition, to stave off hot flashes and other things is to lift heavy. Mm-hmm. Not to do yoga, exactly. not to go exactly. out for a I walk, mean, not, and not that those things heavy. are bad. It's just what is crazy to me is like, I mean, honestly, like talking to um, Mira, which is the mm-hmm. the um, girl is going. She actually just competed. Actually, um, she's a badass. Mm-hmm. She's like fifty two, and she looks amazing. That's anyway, dope. Um, yeah, and that girl lifts heavy. She will not train jujitsu. Her husband is a black belt. Um, if we could maybe get her in a Hello Kitty gi, maybe she'd do it. But um, <laughs> but she's she's gone through menopause. And, and one of the things she said, you know, was, I mean, obviously, like, eliminate the alcohol. I mean, that, that I think is a big one that people probably don't realize. And COVID probably made mm-hmm. all of us worse about some of our drinking. It's still legal. Totally different ball of wax there. But um, – but it's just like she was like one of the things you can do that doesn't require a prescription lift and it's going to help too with um adjustments of the testosterone which is we lose testosterone just like the men do but yet mm-hmm. there's no conversation about it it's not necessarily you have to go out and look for the education which is just nuts to me mm-hmm. like it's just not taught anywhere and i think it's really sad it's a disservice it's a disservice i think to even to healthcare professionals, because it's like, you know, we're treating people. And if you're wanting to keep us in the career, you need to keep us healthy. So like, we have a gym, why not give a prescription for your healthcare providers to go and lift twice a week after, after or before they work, they'd probably be healthier. But you know, that's just me crying just so that I can, you know, get to do my own thing but more exercise (laughs) but I mean I've gained so okay even I've always been like the smallest person Mm -hmm. I was what like 95 pounds when I was training with you guys (laughs) barely 100 yeah with the gi yeah I now am like a true rooster weight so with my gi on I'm kind of hovering right around I think 105 106 um, I'm probably about 100 to 102. And I am sad to say that like none of that is from strength training because I'm not consistent, which is really sad because I would love for it to be from strength training, except that I know that I'm probably gaining weight because I'm going through all these other like womenly changes. So it's like, yes. yeah, that's so sad that I didn't get it the way I wanted it. <laughs> Um, I'm going to share the link online. Um, there's, if Tirza can go to one of my latest posts, I think it is the birth control post that I talked yeah. about on uh, Instagram. Um, there is actually was, a reason. There, huh? there was information about that on that post about. Yeah. yeah. Research. Mm-hmm. It's about research and it's not to the healthcare professionals fault that they don't know that the research actually is not there. Yeah. There's women's, the female popu- population, especially when it comes to strength training, nutrition and exercise has been consistently overlooked because of us having our periods and because of our cycles and what the research is missing 
And uh, you can go to the link in my bio, click the link in my bio, and the article is linked there. Um, uh, on like, you know how it goes, click, tap, link in bio, and then it looks like Instagram, and then you should be able to click on the post that looks like um, that post, and it'll bring up the article. Um, and, and so um, the research article... Um, what it's saying is it's, it's underfunded and the, the, our periods confound it. And the reason why is because we have uh, our different cycles. So we have the first phase, which is low hormone, meaning that estrogen progesterone are low. And then we have ovulation where estrogen really spikes. And then we have our high hormone phase where progesterone progesterone and estrogen are pretty high and then they taper off when we have our bleed day. And so the reason why those things are significant is because how our body um, processes carbohydrates and glucose is drastically different phase to phase where we are in our cycles, right? So the higher that I believe the hormone FSH is, which is in our low hormone phase, it's as its highest. We tend to be a lot more insulin sensitive. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. And then estrogen, the rise of estrogen in our high hormone phase makes us more insulin resistant. It also makes us have a more um, inflammatory response. Uh, It actually slows down our... um, uh, fast twitch muscle fibers. So these things greatly change how our physiology works. Yeah. And all these hormones, these great hormones, estrogen and progesterone, which are res- the main hormones responsible for women's health, are produced in the ovaries. Yeah. And women have a fine out, fine, finite uh, amount of eggs and lifespan for their ovaries. And in fact, what this article is set. Se- is telling us is that um, after we give birth to baby, like after the baby is born, mm-hmm. we lose a lot of our eggs. And then even more so once we, as we age and our ovaries age at a greater pace than our overall physiology. So b- that by the time we hit our mid forties and fifties, is when our ovaries stop working. Yeah. Even though we still have 30, 40, sometimes 50 more years of life left. So what this article is saying is that if we actually take the time to do the research and study women's health and fund women's health, we can figure out a way to prolong a woman's lifespan. Yeah. And they actually found in this in this article that um, if you women who have Uh, who experience uh, menopause at a later age in life tend to live longer. Yeah. Well, and then it begs the question. So then what are we doing to women when we have them have a a hysterectomy? Mm -hmm. And then is that the best decision that can be made for them? I mean, one of my friends had hers and I think they left her ovaries so that she... Uh, would still have, I think, just the benefit of um, some of the hormones. But I feel like to 
I mean, we, we recover a lot of those surgeries. And of course, since, um, since I have more of the issues coming up, uh, where I guess that's something I could probably talk about with a doctor. Um, you know, I question like, what kind of education are these women getting before they're making a decision to do something that drastic? And it's a big surgery. I mean, we send those women home sometimes the same day and that is a big surgery. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, I don't want to bring up uh, any names, but I know someone who did have, I'm not sure if they had a total hysterectomy or partial, Mm -hmm. but uh, they noticed that when they had that procedure done, um, the organ had actually supported other organs and muscle in their body in order for their core to function properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you are, it's not just recovering from getting rid of that. There's just so Mm -hmm. much involved. And I just feel like sometimes I'm surprised as to how many, how much of that that we're doing or that women are choosing to do that after they've maybe had their kids in the reproductive years. I know my mom yeah. had said she had had a hysterectomy because she had a lot of adhesions. She had, um, she just, you know, it's like, I think she was high risk to keep everything. So mm. they elected for that and it was open actually then, whereas now we can do it laparoscopically. So there's not really much um, incisional scars like what, what they used to do. But I, I kind of question, it's like, is this really necessary? This is pretty drastic that we yeah. do that to women. And then, um, you know, what, what is, like, what are the risks down the road for doing this to so many women? And do we even know? Like, has that even been studied? I, I honestly don't know. I haven't, I haven't even looked into that. So, I guess that'll be my next podcast guest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going down the line, man. Just going down the line. Um, find, find some doctors I, to ask some serious questions too. That come on, time to do some research for us here. Yes. Well, I mean, if you you're in the field, so if you know any uh, doctors who would be willing to be on the podcast uh, yeah. for future episodes and are willing to have like these honest conversations, I would love to talk to them. Yeah. I'll see. I'll have to ask around. I'll see if I can <laughs> get anybody <laughs> scrounged up. Sometimes I'm surprised. I've been finding out that people do things that I didn't expect that I train with. That would be the mm-hmm. other thing is um, no one's wearing a uh, white coat when you go to train. <laughs> Unless <laughs> that it's is a true. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you should, you should uh, rally around and find out if there's any doctors you're training with that you didn't know about. Oh, I've, I've definitely found um, other professions that I didn't know about, um, like people who were lawyers and psychologists. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if I do find somebody who's a doctor who, who works in fertility or women's health in some way and can, would be willing to have that conversation. Yeah. No, yeah. I would be interested to to watch that podcast and learn more. I think I I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out myself. So, yeah. Um, 
it's unfortunate. And I, and I think it's like sad it coming back to Roe versus Wade. It's almost like instead of opening the door for us to sort of learn more about our health, it's almost like they've shut the door and we've now moved back like all these years. We didn't yeah. really make when progress you, is the sad part. Yes. We went backwards. We went yeah. backwards in our, on our, um, in our law system and our actually supporting people, mm-hmm. people's needs. Yeah. And the um, scary part I have, is- Women, yeah. women are supportive of that, though. It's like they're mm-hmm. not even realizing. Um, because I, I have definitely gotten to some, um, I guess, online arguments with people that I went to school with that are on the other mm-hmm. side of Roe v. Wade, and I'm shocked. I'm always shocked when it's a female that I'm talking to that is like adamantly against, and then throws out the well, except for an incest or something, like, we should just sort of allow it. And I'm like, because because you know a court system that's going to, like, you know, make a decision on this in a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what court system do you know that works that fast? <laughs> it's like, we're looking at something that may or may not be life or death, but we're going to let the courts decide, which could take months. And meanwhile, this child that was molested is going to have this child and not be able to support it because we have no social structure for it. Great. So, yeah, kind of drives me yeah. nuts. So, I and tried, I will say for yeah, the record, I, I am pro-life. I think it's just I'm pro let's do the right thing for the right life. And everybody has mm-hmm. should have a choice in that in terms of the person that's physically here with a mind that they can use, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, is there a viable child? And that is a pro ish life, but what life are you bringing that to for a pro-lifer? My question always for someone that's pro-life is like, how are you going to help that person that's bringing that kid into the world? How are you going to help support that child? And that is always critical. Yeah. Crickets. I mean, you start to have the conversation from different points of view from, well, not just the person who wants to be Christian or right wing Mm -hmm. and Mm pro-life, but also, okay, let's take, take it from your perspective and turn it into the medical, medical professionals perspective, where now they have somebody coming across into the hospital who needs this care because they're having a miscarriage and they need an emergency procedure to save a life. But now that person can't just do their job and save the life. They have to think of their profession. And then you have to take into the socioeconomic case and think about, well, what about foster care and just that whole foster care system where it's just broken. I don't, I don't even have anything intelligent to say about it other than it. It's, People who go through the foster care system, very rarely do I hear some success story. Yeah. It's very rare. Well, and then that begs the question, too. I mean, this is such a rabbit hole where we could even have a whole nother podcast again. But Mm -hmm. if we had a better established system, would the choices people make be different? I mean, I remember being in school. One of my girlfriends, um, she got pregnant. It was a Christian college. She got kicked out. She finished nursing school. She's an, she's an MP. She's got four kids. The kid she was pregnant with, she got married to the guy. I mean, I don't think they ever intended not to. They just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. she, she got pregnant before she got married. I mean, who am I to judge her morality and what she was doing? 
you know, but it's like she got kicked out of school. What about the dude? The dude was still in school. The dude still got to be in school. Like, did she like have sex and get pregnant on her own? It like seriously, like still pisses me off to this day. And she's, she's, she is, um, a doll. She is still Adventist. She goes to church religiously, totally supports the system. Good on her because I'm like, they're all a bunch of fucking pricks. Sorry, I shouldn't be cussing, but they're all a bunch of pricks. It's like the time when she needs the most support and she's choosing to have this kid, the religious system basically shunned her mm-hmm. and said, well, you're going to have to figure it out yourself because we're not going to allow you to continue going to school here and we're not going to support you. But the dude that got her pregnant gets to stay and finish school because, well, we can't physically see him get pregnant. So he'll stay. We'll slap his hand. You don't get to stay in school. (laughs) What time are we living? What time period are we living in? That just, that's insane to me. Like, is this, this is not the 1950s. Come on. No, but it's like we literally, it's, it's like those types of conversations. We have, we have not progressed we are not supporting our society. We are not supporting women at, at the end of it. I mean, you look at what's going on in other countries, but then you look here and it's like, you know, are, are we really doing a whole lot better? It just looks different. It just looks mm-hmm. different. Um, and I just think that that's unfortunate. And I think if there were better support systems in place to support those women even when they make a maybe a decision that we can easily look at an armchair quarterback and say, well, that was a terrible decision. Well, it's like, yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking about my reproductive health when I got like hot in the moment, you know? And it's like, why don't we have a better system to support them and to actually help them be able to keep those kids if they're, if, if you're so pro-life, pro-education, let them finish school. They chose to get in there and go instead of kicking them out and then cutting off the one thing that they need. And like I said, the the female I'm thinking of, she actually did finish school. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she practices. She's she's like one of the most amazing people I have ever met. Like going you know going through school, and um, just a good Christian person. I should be better like her, but. Um, how much better would things have been if she had had more support? And what's sad is, is that her story is not the story for most females. What ends up happening is, okay, so they choose to keep the kid. They lost their education. They have no way to pay for this. And now they get to struggle and bring a kid into the world. So the kid gets to learn how to struggle and then perpetuate the same cycle because we haven't done anything to help them. And yet we're going to sit here and like judge everybody. And that's like what just drives me absolutely nuts about um, Christianity at its core, regardless of the religion. And I do have a religion minor. So it's like, I feel like I, I was definitely a black sheep when I was getting that degree. So, <laughs> Is it Christianity supposed to teach non-judgment? Isn't it supposed to be one of the religions not to judge don't cast stones unless, you know, you would like to. I mean, I think it's like we've all heard that, you know, story. I think of Jesus, like, mm-hmm. I think it's like writing in the sand and, you know, mm-hmm. let that person cast the first stone. But I think 
at its core, it's like, we're all just like, I hate to say that we're all like horrible, terrible people, but it's like, yeah, at its core, people help each other a lot less than they're willing to admit to. And it's unfortunate. I think it's like until people come together when there's issues and realize how much stronger you are as like a core group to fight uh, an issue, the issues aren't going to press forward and get better. But it's like you've got to realize that there's there's a problem. There's a problem with the way that that the issue is. I mean, I think social media is, is definitely shedding light on that. I don't know if you um, saw the video of the... I think it was um, a real sports thing that I had watched, but this female athlete showing like what their their gym room looked like compared to the male oh, gym room. No. It was, I think it was like an NCAA thing, but just showing like how much support the females had in comparison to the males. And then it changed everything because she put it on social media and then it was something that people couldn't ignore. Like they had to address it. And I mean, I, th I think that's kind of the story with women's health. It's like, you know, maybe we as females, you have people in Congress, they need to spend more time addressing this and realizing that it's a problem, but we haven't even gotten there. We have so many women that are, I mean, Republican in Congress and they're, they're just all about being stuck in these, you know, red and ideologies red. yeah yes and then yeah i uh, the whole point mm -hmm. i that's why i'm having this podcast because i bet you people listening to this would never know and think about miscarriage as uh needing abortion and the pro and somebody who specializes in abortion to make sure that the woman can not only live but can ha have a healthy re healthy enough reproductive system so that she can have kids if she wants to in the future mm -hmm. and another thing a question i had in regards in line with that is the people who specialize in this uh procedure abortion procedures would they also have insight into the process of how these reproductive organs work we need education more on that do women need to be taking hysterectomy, uh, having hysterectomy procedures done if they're having certain symptomologies? Where is the education going and where is the research going for our own understanding of the ovar ovaries and the female reproductive yeah. system and women's health? We're getting further and further away from that. And I think that this research uh, that's been being done in the article I shared with you guys earlier, is it an important stepping stone? But it's like we took three steps back and got one step forward to get funding in this research. Yeah. The only sure. thing I can hope is that the research helps change the law, hopefully, and sometimes sometime in the near, very near future. Yeah. Well, I think just seeing like, what was it, Kansas, where they fought mm -hmm. back with Roe v. Wade there, because I think it was Ella, and then mm -hmm. they, they fought to get some of those rights reinstated. So I think, you know, there are people out there that are realizing, holy crap, like, we are literally turning things backwards. But yeah, like, in, in terms of the reproductive health, when I had a car accident <laughs> right before... Um, right before COVID started, actually, coincidentally, I, I had a really mm -hmm. annoying car accident that totaled my car. Um, I had a head-to-toe CT to make sure I didn't have any um, physical damage outside of 
bruises and stuff that were going to show up. And I found out I had fibroids, which I was diagnosed with in my early 20s because I had painful periods. Um, the doctor that did my CT scan was like, you have a lot of fibroids. Like, you should probably go and get that checked out. And I was like, dude, <laughs> I have no symptoms. Like, do I really need mm -hmm. it? Like, I was like, when can I train jujitsu? I really don't care about this. I care about the fact that my neck is sore. When can I go back and train after this dumbass car accident? I'm really annoyed. This is like very inconvenient for me. And he, my husband's like, you're retarded. Um, but, you know, I go and I look up, okay, like this whole deal with fibroids. What are, what are my options if I go back to the doctor to address this? Which, mind you, I have no symptoms for because I'm pretty active. So, like, the cramping is actually not that bad. When I have sort of bad cramps, I'll, I actually will go and train and just push through it. And most of the time, my cramps actually will go away because it's not like I'm running around the gym. I'm just trying to shove fat people – well, not fat people. I'm trying to shove bigger people off me, and I'm trying to get into a more advantageous position. Most of the time, I'm so concentrated on that, I completely forget I'm having cramps. The cramps don't even come back till after class is done anyway. Um, so, and I'm in a better mood. So usually it's, it's like it, it I, you just need to go. I think most people should just, mm -hmm. just but um, the crazy thing is, is that, yeah, you go and look that up online. It, they will tell you one of the viable options is to have a hysterectomy. But do, do you know what else drinks fibroids? What's that? Menopause. <laughs> Perimenopause makes it worse. And then. Once all of those hormones are done doing their thing and being out of control, which causes them to get bigger, and then you're at the mm -hmm. end, you hit menopause, all of that starts to shrink. The supply is cut off, and they start to shrink. Why do we not talk about this? So is there a way to, like, I mean, I, it's like I have more questions than answers, but I just thought it was mm -hmm. interesting that I was like, oh, okay, so... I've got these fibroids and I've got all these options to go into the doctor and I guess get treated for it. And I've chosen actually to do absolutely nothing because I have no symptoms. I, my mm -hmm. symptom, the only symptom I have is that I know I'm going into, um, I'm in perimenopause and I'm going to hit menopause here probably in the next two or three years. But once I hit that, it's like, is that even something that's necessary? It's all going to shrivel up anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Granted, that may not be the answer. I just thought that that was interesting. It's like food for thought. Because I do think there are women that have legitimate symptoms and issues with all of this stuff. And that's part of the reason they go to the doctor. And then the doctor says, hey, we can just cut it all out. But it's like, were there actually other non-invasive things that could have been done earlier on? I don't know. Like birth control like different forms of birth control, can that limit that and make that less intense? Can they adjust that now? They know more about it now than they did when I was in my 20s and 30s, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, I just feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's so unfortunate that we have not studied that more and we have not learned more when we actually had probably the ability to do that and it just wasn't being done. It took getting more rights taken away for people to realize, oh, we, we have a lot to study. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot to study. And I'm hoping that this podcast opens people's minds to you can't just rely on the research that is for the general population, especially when it comes to women's health. Because guess what? The research is minimal at best. 
as it is now. I'm talking about peer-reviewed articles and research that scientists are using. And it takes a very long time for that research to get into your textbooks and to be approved by whatever institution your uh, medical profession, your medical professionals are learning from. So for us women right now, as it is, I'm sorry, it's 2022, about to be 2023. The research is not out there for when it comes to your health. So we actually need to be more proactive and go and learn from people like Dr. Stacey Sims to go in and find other doctors who are actively in the research currently, right now, as it stands, not that they put not research based in the 1990s, because guess what, that was almost 30 years ago. So (laughs) you we actually need to be finding out what the current research is, what the current peer reviewed research is and unbiased research, because there's a lot of research out there that is paid research. You need to find out what's unbiased, do your own uh, education and understand how your body works and how your physiology works, because this goes far beyond uh, just uh, what your beliefs are. Yeah. It's your mental health. It's your it's your physical health. It's your physical health, and it's being it's very well underserved right now as it is. Yeah. So thanks so much, Shar, for having you being on uh, my show today. I I really appreciate your time. Do you have thanks any other questions? Me. Yes. Uh, well, I always have questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu questions. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> although, yeah, I actually probably will have a lot of questions for you now, Miss Black Belt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta. I do have to make a trip up there. Uh, it is in my. It is in my. Um, my mind to go um, plan some time to visit you in the summertime. I think that's what we talked about. Like, June, oh July, yeah, yeah, come August. here in the summer. Right now, it is just uh, we just had our first snowfall. It's cold. Mm-hmm. I'm like Mm-mm. not liking driving <laughs> out to work because of ice. It's no, it's a bad yeah. time. I mean, it's pretty when it's not raining or snowing, but yeah, I really I have to say that um, I really miss the bay area i miss sun <laughs> especially this time well, i'm in daily city yeah i'm in daily city so sun is i meh. mean i know i know the fog comes in but i'm telling you it's totally different when you live in an area where you can run away and find sun versus here i did not believe seasonal affective disorder was a thing and then i moved out here and i'm like holy crap it's crazy. And people get grumpy as hell when it's like awful for multiple, multiple months. And then all of a sudden the sun comes out. Yeah. I don't know what goes on in people's heads. I'm sure there's a study out there that would probably explain this, but it is crazy. So yeah. 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 Come out in the summer after like, you know, we've had a few, a few weeks of nice days. And then I will tell you the summertime out here is amazing. I think it's one of the best kept secrets for the Northwest that I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I spent decades since I've been in Washington or 
and Oregon. I was even younger when I've been into or when I was in Oregon. So I can't wait because it's so beautiful. It's it's such a beautiful drive. So I can't wait to go visit you. Yeah. Well, and I need to come out and visit you out there and see everyone. Meet Jen's baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're closer to Jen than I am. Oh, Jen. I'm thinking Jenna. But yes, Jen. Jen. Marcelo. Yeah. yeah. She she was one of my first training partners when I first started jujitsu. We were both white belts. Oh, that's so wild. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. It's crazy to even message her every now and then and I'll like maybe have a random question or just I don't know, just checking in with her. I'm like, man, because she she was one of the people when I tore my ACL because we were both at um, Charles Gracie. Uh, mm-hmm. she was constantly messaging me like, when are you going to be back on the mats? When are you coming back? When are you going to train? Cause I was like, dude, I, I don't know this sport. I think I might quit. Like I'm too small. And then it's like, I'm sitting there like wallowing in my littleness. Meanwhile, the one person that's smaller than me is like, why are you not on the mat? Like, come on, like, come watch. Come on. She is such a sweet person. And, mm-hmm. um, She's super, yeah, she will motivate you for sure. Yeah. She she won't let you just sit there and waddle it, wallow in self-pity. She is yep. like, mm-hmm. get your mindset right. Let's get back into it. Yep. Um, she's been just a really great friend. Um, me and her reconnected in the past several months, and she's just mm-hmm. been really, really a very good friend too. Yeah, yeah. No, she's, she's awesome. But it's like, I feel like I have stories like that with all of you, like, you know, breaking both wrists and then... Uh, you guys picking me up at my place to get me over to the gym mm-hmm. so I can watch everyone train. And then I, you know, my most recent injury is my, uh, I broke this finger right here. <laughs> Ouch. You know, more annoying than anything else. I discovered I could still train and I can still choke people with one arm and a foot. So, you know, it just changed the way chokes look. It's kind of fun. Uh, I like to call it. You'll be more life. dangerous now. Yeah. I know. This is about to come back, everybody. So, yeah.